Well, hello, good afternoon. Hi, good to have you here. It's Father Larry Richards, and this is Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. And it is, what day is today? Today is the 26th of July, 2023, and I am back uh, from two weeks vacation, and um, it was cold, miserable, rainy in San Diego. It was like, okay, I think I'm going to Florida. I don't know about this whole thing. Anyway, it's good to be back. It's good to be back with you. Let us pray. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father, thank you for your love and for your mercy and for your faithfulness to us. Father, thank you for loving us and for always leading us and never letting us be alone. Father, we ask for your spirit to be poured out in us that we may live your will and do as you command because you command it in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Mary, mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, pray for us. And the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, it's good. It is freezing up here in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's 30 degrees out there, but it seems a lot worse because it's snow raining, mostly snowy, snowing now, slush, and gosh, I got to chill as I come walking in. But literally, when I was in San Diego, it'd get cold, it rained, and it rained, and the, um, the Airbnb I was staying in actually start leaking, and they're just not used to that rain out there, but days of rain and cold, and um, so who knows what's... Uh, it was good. I ended up getting sick. You know, right before I went out there, I ended up in the emergency room by ambulance was the first thing. Um, first time I was ever in an ambulance in 62 years, and hopefully it'll be the last time I was ever in an ambulance. Um, woke up, worked out, uh, prayed, getting ready to go to uh, the same mass at 7 o'clock. I thought I'd take a half-hour nap. I got an upset stomach, and my... Uh, my watch kept going off, and so then they thought, okay, so they took me over, and they said, no, 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 you have, uh, you don't have, a, you're not having a heart attack, you're having AFib, so we're going to keep you and shock your heart, and then another doctor come in and says, no, 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 you don't have AFib, and then they, uh, they, t they still don't know what happened, so uh, I really think I just had a 24-hour bug myself, but um, who knows, um, so I'm back, and I'm feeling better, I just saw the doctor, Today, and one of the things the doctor asked me, because he's retiring, and I've had this guy for the last 33 years, my whole priesthood, and uh, he's young, you know, he's only two years, or I'm going to be 63, yeah, two years older than me, and I says, oh, old man, you know, and, and so we were talking about the year, and he says, Father, do you believe God tests people? And I says, eh, Scripture has him in testing people. He tested Abraham, he tested, but most of those things were in the Old Testament, um, but I think God allows these things and, you know, he already predestines them and not predestined. I mean, he already knows they're going to happen. Um, and it's how we get strong, you know, through adversity is how we all get strong. And that's why I was saying, Lord, uh, I want 2023 to be way different than 2022. Let it be a time of healing and joy and everything else. And I end up in the hospital the first couple of days. I go, really, really? <laughs> so Anyway, we'll get to all these uh, uh, questions and everything 
here. And just to give you a heads up, there's some sexual questions. Uh, not too bad, but in case there's young people watching, uh, when it comes to the questions and answers, you might want to uh, have the kids leave the room. Um, again, nothing very explicit, but you know, you might want the kids to listen to that. But we're going to start with the sacraments now for the new year as we begin a new year. I thought I'd uh, deal with the sacraments, and we'll start with baptism, of course. But just an overall thing about the sacraments first. You know, again, when I was a kid, uh, and most of you were kids, it was very explicit, the definition of a sacrament, huh? Uh, an outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace. And so an outward sign means it's something you touch, you feel, you experience water. You know, we are tactile people, human beings. Um, we like to experience things physically. So that's what it is. It's an outward sign. It's a physical sign, something that touches us. Uh, Christ instituted it, instituted it. Mm. <laughs> it came from Christ. He brought it forth uh, either implicitly or explicitly in the gospel, and it gives grace. And grace is the way God touches us. And so today, uh, we're going to just deal with baptism because it's something that most of us have received. And it's the first sacrament. It's the uh, a great sacrament because it institutes, a, it institutes us. What the heck today? It uh, brings us into union with Jesus. And no other sacrament can happen unless we're baptized. And I just think that we really take it for granted. And this is the sacrament we should never take for granted, that we should be uh, grateful for it and that we should live our baptism every day of our life. So to go with very simple, what's the outward sign of baptism is, of course, the water. The outward sign is water or liquid um, it's instituted by Christ in the place in the Bible, of course. Uh, one place, anyway. The most explicit, this is the most explicit sacrament there is about institution, is in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the world. So here Jesus Christ explicitly uh, tells us to baptize. And he tells us how to do it. He gives us the formula. And this is the way we're incorporated into God. And later on, Paul would say, when we're baptized, we're baptized into the death of Jesus. And when I was in major seminary, just that one thought, baptized in the death of Jesus, I just didn't really get it. And we had a professor then in major seminary, and uh, I literally called him a heretic. I'm so arrogant sometimes. When I was, I was, I was more arrogant, believe it or not, when I was younger. And um, so we, I remember him saying something, not something like he said explicitly this, God became that which he absolutely is not when Jesus died on the cross. And so for me, that was a hard reality. How can God become that which he is not? How is that even possible? And again, uh, I later found out as I became a priest and, um, you know, in the, in the readings and the, uh, 
the Psalms and the prayers. One of the prayers talks about how God became that which he is not. And the reason is because God is life. And on the cross when he died, God became death. Jesus became death on the cross. He became that which he was not. God who is relationship become non-relationship. And then what the Father did with Jesus is he embraced Jesus in his death. And his love was so great, it brought resurrection life. And so when we are baptized into the death of Jesus, that means we become one with Christ in his death where he paid the penalty for our sins. But that's it's more than that. For God the Father to let go of us now, he has to let go of Jesus because we are baptized into his death. And the Father would never let go of Jesus. Isn't that something? Isn't that a profound thought when you think about it? So that's why it's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. So when we become one with Jesus, again, God the Father now treats us as we are in Christ. And for him to let us go, he has to let Jesus go. And he never do that. So that's why it's a beautiful thought that the day that you and I get baptized, we are brought into relationship with God. We're brought into the relationship with the Trinity, not just externally, but internally, that we enter into this intimacy with God. We don't become God. Well, again, uh, St. Maximus, the confessor, and different uh, theologians throughout the years talked about when Christ took on humanity, humanity took on divinity. It's called the divinization of man and how we do become like God uh, through the baptism, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, and especially when we are baptized. But like right now, if you and I think about it, those of us who are baptized, God, the Trinity, dwells within us, right? Jesus lives inside of us. You know, I no longer live. Jesus lives inside of me. St. Paul says, do you not know that Christ lives inside of you? Then you go to... Um, uh, the spirit of the living God, do you not know that you are temples of the living God? And then you go to Jesus and explicitly in John's gospel. And again, that's why it's so important to meditate on the, the scriptures where we get to, to, to spend time with Jesus. And then he talks about the, um, oh, where is it here? But it says, uh, the father will come and we will make our home in him. Not just the God, Jesus, but God the Father. We will make our home in him. And uh, that is so fantastic when we think about it. I want to give you this great, the explicit verse. We will make our home in them. Um, John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to them and make our home with them or in them. And so here in John chapter 14, it, Jesus it goes, talks about that, how he'll come and live in us. And when we sit there and we really uh, start believing that, then I think that we'll start living lives differently. 
right? Because right now we always think of God as up there somewhere instead of God in here somewhere. But um, again, let's go to verse 21 of John chapter 14. Whoever has my commandments, and my commandments are what? Love one another. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. That's the way we prove we love God, by loving each other. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said, Master, what happened when... What happened that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. Whoever does not uh, love me does not keep my words, yet, yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. So to think that right now you are truly and I am truly a tabernacle of God because of our baptism, that God dwells in us. And I think that sometimes, me too, we think that God dwells in other people. Yesterday, of course, the 25th of January was the feast of the conversion of St. Paul. And like I said in my homily yesterday, if you heard, I think whenever we look at saints, and we almost have in the church a saint worship Instead of, uh, you know, it's like, oh, look at them, and we pray to them, and uh, we go to them, and some people go to saints more than they go to God himself, which is a problem. And, um, and we just look at them, and even like our statues of saints, you know, when you look at a statue of the Blessed Mother, none of them are the Blessed Mother. The closest we could have of anything would be Our Lady of Guadalupe, huh? But even that is an image, like she doesn't look like that now because she's pregnant, right? Uh, so we get glimpses of God, and I mean glimpses of, the, glimpses of the saints, but most of our statues are just plaster, making, sometimes they look like the saints, sometimes they do not. But they represent the saints, of course. My issue is this that sometimes we just look at the saints and say, oh, isn't that wonderful that Paul was converted? Isn't that wonderful that that stain had the stigmata? Isn't that wonderful that, they could, uh, that they're incorrupt? Isn't that wonderful that they could uh, uh, bilocate? Isn't it wonderful? And yet we forget what Jesus said. He says, um, I tell you that those of you, I tell you that you'll be able to do the works that I do. That's what Jesus says, and far greater than these. That what happens is when we just do saint worship or idol, if you will, we forget that that's what we're called to do too. We forget that we're called to a deeper conversion every day. As Paul was converted, so must we be converted. As the saints did all these miracles, God's calling us to do the same. The saints didn't do miracles because of their power, but by grace, because of the power of God living inside of them. Every single saint has the same power that you and I have through baptism, that God lives inside of you and me just as he lived inside of them. Now, often the way we play games in our heads is we say, well, they're saints and I'm not. But if you ask any of the saints, they'd say, oh, no, I'm the greatest sinner, Paul. You know, last night when I put the, uh, my tweet out last night, 
and Instagramites it says, you know, Paul says the worst of sinners. He called himself the worst of sinners. And then I said, and you thought you were the worst of sinners? Paul said he was the worst of sinners. Huh? And in spite of all this, God used him to bring the world to his son, Jesus. In spite of your sinfulness and my sinfulness, God wants to use us. We need to get out of the way and surrender and let the world see Jesus. Let the world experience the Father through us, the Father's love through us. To let the world experience the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. But often we call this this false humility, as I've talked about many times, where I'm not worthy. Of course you're not worthy. None of us are worthy. Paul wasn't worthy. Any of the saints weren't worthy. But they surrendered more. And the more they surrendered, the more God could use them. So again, by virtue of baptism, this power is called to be inside of you. Today, as we record this, we're recording it on the Feast of St. Timothy and Titus. And again, they were both bishops and they were uh, priests, of course. And I love it because sometimes us priests and some bishops, excuse me, um, think that they don't need anything, that they're pretty much together, which is the uh, worst of arrogance and pride. You know, there ain't much God can do with someone who thinks that way. Um, and he just can't, no matter how powerful you are in the church. He can't use people that are filled with themselves. He can only use people who are filled with humility and focus all on God and want to be an instrument of God. Um, now, again, God can still use people. He used a jackass to speak <laughs> Balaam, you know, <laughs> to speak to the prophet in the Old Testament. So he can still use them. But when we live in humility uh, and when we remember what happened, so here Paul, again today, talking in, uh, in the scriptures to his Timothy. Now, again, remember Timothy was a bishop and priest and here he reminds him, and I, again, if you've uh, not read my book, Be a Man, which I'm guessing if you're watching this, most of you have, have read it, but if you haven't, if you go here, I spend in these two verses, I, I said one verse this morning, but it's the two verses, that I spend four chapters of my book on these two verses of Scripture, and he's talking to Timothy, and he says... Um, Oh, chapter uh, two, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. For this reason I remind you to stir into a flame the gift of God that, was, that you have through the imposition of hands, of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power, love, and self-control. So he's reminding Timothy, bishop, priest, that when I gave you the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. That could be ordination, confirmation, baptism. You have to use the gift that God gave you through the imposition of my hands, which is the Holy Spirit, and stir that into a flame. Huh? And so, if, again, this morning in my tweet, I sat there and I quoted this verse and I said, so do you daily, daily stir into a flame the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you? And again, so people, too many people say yes too fast and I'll say uh, how, question mark. So to make people start thinking, well, how am I doing that? And then I say peace, as I always do. 
And then in my by homily today, I explained that. That means we need to say a prayer to the Holy Spirit every day, a prayer of surrender to the Holy Spirit, that we really surrender our hearts and our lives to God's Spirit, that we let Him take full control of us. Not the Spirit who's out there, but the Spirit that's in here, so that God can use us and truly make us His temple, so that God can bring other people to him through us. So again, it's the power doesn't come from us. The power comes from God. What does come from us is our cowardice. Huh? And he says, that's why the spirit that God has given you isn't a cowardly spirit. But the new translation says of power, love, and self-control. The, 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 four, the three chapters of my book after we talk about the need for the Holy Spirit is that, um, that the, the gift that God gives us is not a spirit of fear or cowardice, but love of uh, uh, power, uh, love, and self-control, or the old thing was makes us strong, loving, and wise. And so when we focus on ourselves and our sinfulness, we feel like fear, uh, cowards. But when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, we are strong, power, we are loving, and we are wise. That's all the gift of God. So... In our daily life, we have to surrender to the power that was given to us at our baptism. There's great power there. We forget it. And we don't surrender enough to it. So we just see Christianity or being Catholic as uh, going through the motions, trying to live a good life, following the commandments. And it's, it's, it's much more than that. It's allowing God to take full control of our lives. And again, we forget about that. Timothy did. I do. And that's why Paul had to remind him. And as I often do when I'm preaching, I always say, now know this. I'm preaching to myself first and then preaching to you. That means the Spirit of God convicts me first and then I convict everybody else. But it's not like, oh, yeah, you got to start doing this. And I sit there and say, oh, I've already done that. No, no, no. God's calling us both to always remember that, but to know that there's such great power from the moment we're baptized. There is an ontological change that happens at baptism. You know what ontological means? It's a change of being. Our very being is transformed. That a soul that is baptized is different than a soul that is not baptized. There isn't that ontological change. Grace is still there. If there wasn't grace in someone that wasn't baptized, they could never experience baptism because only by grace can someone be saved can they even come to know faith can they even come to know jesus so somehow there's a grace there not in the traditional sense the way we talk it but god is present period of course he is or they couldn't even convert you know years ago i was talking to a, a group and i talked about how god uh, stays with us and he loves us and no 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 father and we when we go into mortal sin god leaves us and i says well if he left us then we couldn't convert we could never come to repentance because the only way we come to repentance isn't by our power, but by the grace of God. So somehow God is always present. But when we're baptized, he's not just present like here, I'm standing next to you. He's present like here, I'm living inside of you. And when we start to know that power and we start looking at the God who lives within us, not in a, again, we're not God, but we're temples of God. And then I decide that instead of living my life of fear, 
living my life of sin. I'm going to let God take control of my life. But what we got to do is open the gift. That's why, like when I do any kind of uh, parish mission or if I do a confirmation retreat or I do one of my DME retreats, I always have a surrender of your life to God. Now, when I was in Ireland, Dublin, uh, what, 15 years ago, 13 years ago, whatever it was, I, I, spoke, I spoke at Glocknoise, which, of course, I never say right. And the Dominican there, one of the greatest guys ever. Uh, we had to, Jesus out in the Blessed Sacrament 24 hours on the monstrance and the, uh, so kids could speak. They, was, they spent the whole week from all over Ireland, all the kids from Northern Ireland, all of Ireland was there. And I was the speaker. They had to listen to me all weekend, those poor kids. And so when I did the surrender of my, uh, our lives to Jesus, the priest hate, hated it. He just says, I just don't get it. We do it at baptism. We do do it at baptism. But the problem is, is that someone else's faith was used to have you baptized normally if you were baptized as a child. But again, faith needs to unlock the gift. And so the faith of our parents and godparents unlocked the gift when we were baptized, hopefully. But we still, we were given a gift that day, the gift of eternal life, the gift of God's Trinity, God himself. And for most people, even after they're baptized, the gift is there, but unopened. Let's say I give you a, a gift of a million dollars. And you know it's a million dollars, I've told you, but it's wrapped up. And you never unwrap the gift, and you die of starvation. You had the gift, you had the money, you just never opened it up. When we were baptized, we were given a gift. But we need to open that gift ourselves in our lives. And that comes when we surrender our life to God, when we give full control to God. So again, if you have never given that, yourself surrendered yourself completely to God, you need to do that. I'll never forget, you know, I came to Christ when I was 16 or 17, by watching Billy Graham, and he had the altar calls without an altar, I know. And, uh, but at least started me on being in a relationship with Jesus. Now, that's without the sacraments and everything else, but it was just, okay, at least I got I to gotta, uh, begin this thing. But then I still hadn't done it completely. I still lived my life, and even when I went to seminary, it was a life of fear. Uh, I thought that because of someone like me, God the Father couldn't put up with me for too long. Um, and so if I was a priest and I was still a virgin, still am, that God would say, okay, you're one of the few people that uh, did that, so I'll keep you alive forever. So it was like a bargaining chip with God. Okay, I'll go do this. I'll go be a priest, and uh, you got to love me, and you got to take care of me. But it wasn't a surrender of love. It was a surrender of selfishness and fear. And so later on in seminary, I remember I was at St. Mark's and uh, I used to spend four hours a day in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I was there one Saturday and I spent, well, in that morning, I think I spent six or seven hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament that day. I'll never forget me kneeling there in front of Jesus and then I said, 
Jesus, no matter what this means, I completely and fully surrender my life completely to you that you, even if that means whatever damnation or eternal life, whatever, Jesus, I completely surrender my life to you and I ask you to take full control of my life. And he did. It's more than just being baptized and trying to live a good life. It's allowing the God, opening that gift that was given to you by the church at baptism, opening that gift yourself through faith when you surrender yourself forever to God, when you make that act of faith. Then the spirit that God has given you isn't a cowardly spirit or a spirit of fear but one that will make you strong, loving, and wise. And that's what we all need to get to. So if you have never in your own prayer, not with me, not on TV, you and Jesus, you and the Father, you and the Spirit, fully, completely surrender yourself to God. Open the gift that the church gave you the day you were baptized. Open it for yourself and watch the reality of what God can do. Huh? So again, we talked about baptism and I talk more, not as a theologian, but how do you live baptism? And that's what I'm going to do with each of the sacraments. If you want a deep uh, theology of baptism, you go to the catechism, you can go to someone like Scott Hahn, and sometimes when we just do that, it's a head knowledge. And I don't think head knowledge is enough. Now, some people will say, yes, it is. Go for it. I said, I don't think head knowledge is enough. It has to be heart knowledge. It has to be relational. The God of the universe created us to be in relationship with us. And he wants you and me to be in relationship with him. And so often we just stay so focused on ourselves and our sinfulness and we can't even begin to think that God would love us. And yet God didn't have to create you. He not only created you, he loved you enough to have you baptized, to enter into intimate relationship with you. And so I just think it's sad that some people never open the gift in their lives. They just go through the motions, go to Mass on Sunday, try to uh, do good and avoid evil, try to keep the Ten Commandments, try to be a good person, instead of just living a loving relationship with the God of the universe and his people. So pray about it. Surrender. Open the gift of your baptism that you can live a life not of fear, but one that will make you strong, loving, and wise. And it will keep you alive forever. You got it? You get it? Are you going to do it? <laughs> Made sure you know his love today and forever. Amen. Okay, well, let's go to the questions here. We start off with Harry, of course. He's always, you're always the first to get on, Harry. Good job. Good evening and welcome back, Father. Thank you, Harry, from uh, uh, France. Oh, my gosh, where am I? 
what a blank in my head there. Chris Walker, hi, Father Larry. Your recorded homilies while you were on vacation made me think of a joke. How does God make his coffee? He brews it. <laughs> ah, please, please, please. There you go. Harry, Chris Walker, and there I was thinking Israel was the tea, were tea drinkers. <laughs> okay, Ian's all having a joke fest over here. Okay, Julie Newman, girl altar servers cannot become priests. Come on, get real, not judging, just being very truthful. Well, Julie, you're not doing well with spelling there. You're doing worse than I am. Girl altar servers can't be priests, neither can uh, girl extraordinary ministers. It has nothing to do about being priests. It has to do with being a part of the service of the Mass. And so everybody is priests at the Mass, different types. Like I'm a priest ordained. You're a priest by virtue of your baptism. We could have went to the whole thing about the day you got baptized, you become a priest, a prophet, and a king. A priest means you offer your life to God. A prophet means you listen to God's... Uh, um, you listen to God's voice and you speak, uh, speak his uh, will to the community and a king or a queen, you have authority over your own life and you surrender that authority to Jesus Christ. So it's much more than what I uh, did. But at mass, when I say the Lord be with you, that's the way um, I operate my priesthood. When you say, and also with you, that's the way you do it. So everyone at mass are priests, but in different degrees, Christ is present in you in different things. So for when John Paul II, John Paul the Great, John Paul the Saint, he's the one that said girls can serve at Mass because being an altar isn't about being a priest. Being an altar servant has nothing to do with the priesthood. So don't argue with me and people and, you know, I'm just being truthful. Truthful is that the Saint Paul, John Paul the Great, I gave permission for it. Who are you or me to question this great saint? Go deal with John Paul II. He's the one that said the girls could be servers. Again, the problem with too many Catholics is they think they know everything. And ideally, most of them do not. They have their preferences but they don't even know the history of why we have girl servers. And it's St. John Paul II, which was a pretty conservative guy. But again, to show this has nothing to do with about being a priest someday. Jolie, just so you know. Truth, the fact. Again, you already have already proven you don't know the truth, the fact. Proof, the fact stated that our blessed Lord chose 12 men and women and not women to become bishops. And the fact stated that Adam was created man first that has nothing to do with being an altar server, though, Jolie. So again, I'm the last person to argue with about this type of stuff. I am orthodox, meaning I do what the church tells me to do. So I always had male servers, but when John Paul II, the great, said to sit there and let women serve at the altar, I will obey, and so must you. That's a fact. That's the truth. Julie, thank you for your question. Okay, Harry, Julie, apparently I cannot become a nun either. All part of surrender. Mark, hi, Mark. Yes, welcome back. Hope you uh, got to enjoy your vacation. Yeah, not well. But Mark, I'm gonna be down, you know, in uh, um, Texas. You're down in Texas, aren't you? I'm gonna be at the end of the month um, 
Where am I going to? I'm going to be at, um, where is my phone? Anyway, I'm going to be at the, um, I don't have my phone here. Oh, I got excited, so my phone went crazy. <laughs> Why do I still get all excited? <laughs> I don't get it. There's uh, just certain buttons I have that still drive me insane. Anyway, but Mark, I'm going to be in um, on the 5th, Ro Rowena, Texas, R-O-W-E-N-A. I don't know if that's close to you. Uh, I'll be there for two days. I'm flying out of Dallas on the 2nd. And then I come back on the 25th to Texas, and I'm going to be at Victoria, excuse me, Victoria, Texas. I don't know where that is either. Doing a men's conference there this Saturday morning at 25th. So if you're out there, come say hi. Um, good afternoon. Oh, hi, Margaret. Julie, and start praying to God for his help by praying for forgiveness for our own selfish ways, our acts of stupidity, to stop and get... <laughs> Julie, stop this. I'm going to block you from my page if you keep uh, trying this stuff, just so you know. I can, I can see some respectful questions, but when you start saying this kind of stuff, I don't put up with that. Sorry, I just don't, and I never will. And so just stop it. Our acts of stupidity and selfishness. To stop and get right with the master and author of all living things. I do it by being obedient to the church. How do you do it? Are you hearing voices? Huh? Because it sounds like you're doing stuff apart from the church, against what the church of Jesus Christ has taught us. Okay, it's good to have you back. It's January. Joel, you cannot have a truth if you are willing to compromise with the world. Okay, that's enough, Julie. One more of those nasty things, you're done. Just so you know. Why? Because I'm giving you what you want. And you don't want the truth. You want your version of the truth. And that's a judgment. I don't know if you knew that. I was just being a judgmental person. California needs rain. Okay, God bless. Oh, enough, 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 enough. Okay, Julie, enough. Okay, I'm reading all your stuff. It's too much. Again, always, always, for everybody here, the best way to stay in the truth is to stay obedient to the Catholic Church. The magisterium, magisterium is the Pope and the bishops. It doesn't, I don't care one bit if any of you disagree with them. The truth is the magisterium, which is the Pope and the bishops. Everything else is not part of the magisterium. It's people's opinion. And there's a lot of people who are doing things their ways now. And we can't let that happen. Okay. Sunshine 87. How would you recommend cutting down, recommend cutting down on devotions? I find myself praying so many that interferes with work. And then I rush through them to get them done. Um, Honest to goodness, sunshine, I just think devotions too much become superstition because we just say a bunch of words. And again, remember what prayer is. Prayer is an encounter with the living God. So we got to be listening in prayer. It's not just saying prayers. huh? Uh, the Pharisees would say a lot of prayers, but Jesus said they uh, weren't going to make it. So... Again, the only devotions that I have in my life is the rosary 
and the reason, the rosary, because you're meditating on the life of Christ, you're growing, you're listening while you're saying it. But when the mother of God leaves heaven, comes to earth and asks us to say the rosary, I'd say the rosary, and I do. The other devotion that I have is the divine mercy devotion. Again, why? Because Jesus came and asked Sister Faustina to start that devotion, and he taught her that devotion. So again, anything that comes from Jesus and Mary, and it's in the tradition, then those are the type of things that I have adopted. But there's so many devotions out there that if that's all you do is devotions, you're missing your relationship. You know, if you're just getting a whole bunch of prayers in, again, I would, I would get rid of all your devotions, except for the rosary and the divine mercy chaplet and anything else the Lord tells you to do. Because I'm not the Lord, I don't know you. Huh? But the Lord lives inside of you, so ask him and then listen. What do you want me to do, Jesus? And then do whatever he tells you. That's what Mary says, do whatever he tells you. And I think that would be helpful. Okay. Yeah, I was exhausted. I'm still exhausted. Thanks, Audrey. Thanks for your Christmas gift too, Audrey. It was very, very nice. I do have, uh, I was hoping to get my uh, thank you notes out. I haven't got them out yet, so everybody who sends stuff, I have them. They're all uh, addressed. I have to write them, but I have over 100 of them to uh, to do, so it'll just take some time, So, but thank you. Silly Sally, doesn't the Bible call sickness oppression of the devil in Acts 10.38? Can sickness be an attack of the enemy? It could be. I mean, it could be like in the Old Testament when uh, Job got it. But again, the healer can be God. But sometimes, you know, some of the saints have got sick and some uh, people are called victim souls. So the devil can't do anything without God's permission unless you invite the devil in, you know, and invite him to control your life. And uh, you can be possessed by, because you have a free will, you can ask the devil and then those type things. You can also bring things into your life by doing evil things, you know, so you can bring that kind of stuff into your life. Um, but, you know, with, uh, that's why the, when he says being tested, I don't know, you know. Sometimes I think I know the, God, the way God works, and then uh, he humbles me and says, no, you don't know anything, you know that. And I go, I know. <laughs> so anyway, but yes. Harry, this coming Sunday, Hermine, the greatest great-great-grandfather of friend will be baptized in Clairvaux, France. A wonderful event. The father is Joseph, the mother of Victoria. Very nice. Uh, Lawrence of Las Vegas. I father you and called Timothy and tiny Titus bishops and priests. Why would they be called both? But our bishops today aren't called both. I was just saying that Lawrence to, to show that they're priests first and then he became bishops. We, but all bishops are priests by definition. Um, you know, so I was just making it clear for people that don't know that uh, a priest is a, uh, a bishop is a priest first. Okay. Billy Graham preaching opened my eyes and I wasn't totally surrendered because I was still making choices. The Holy Spirit took control. It was life changing. Absolutely. After Jesus was born, when did the Holy Family go to Egypt? In Matthew, they leave for Egypt. In Luke, it states they return home. I don't know. I'm not a biblical scholar. Uh, 
but it'd be a good thing. Yeah, again, when those type things, put it in the script, uh, Google, and sometimes when it comes to that stuff, that's what I do, and then you can find out uh, various opinions. Okay, AMDG, you mentioned on Wednesday that we pray with the saints. How do we reconcile that our that with our prayers to them, asking their intercession? I always say it's a matter of semantics because prayer means talking. So we talk with the saints. Uh, we have relationship with the saints. But when we say we pray to the saints, it sounds like that they're taking the place of God. And so I always distinguish prayer uh, in, the, in the strictest sense is with God. And then talking with the saints, including the Blessed Mother, uh, and then they intercede with us and they pray with us. Remember uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, that it says Mary prayed with them. I uh, was praying with the apostles and the Holy Spirit came down upon them. And I just think that that's the best uh, key, that Mary's alive, she sees the face of God, we can talk to her, we can ask things from her, but uh, she prays with us to God. And I think that's, uh, it's just, it's a matter of semantics is what it is, because it's still but talking. But I think people get too confused about uh, praying to the saints instead of praying to God. Hope that helps. Victoria is in the south tip of Texas. There you go. And I just said yes to El Paso uh, uh, for next year. There's, I think it, I'm not sure if it's this year or next year. But it might be this year. I don't know. Anyway, have you heard Matt Mayer's new song, The Lord's Prayer? It's yours. It makes me think about your book. will be published soon as soon as I get it. I have not heard it yet, uh, which would be good. I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to uh, go out of my way to do it but i'm just talking about trips here um there's still about 10 spaces open for our trip to the holy land on may 10th so if you're interested you know that's less than four months away uh you can still come uh we have about 70 people uh on the trip right now and we have enough for another 10 i think it is um so i just encourage you you just can go to uh Select International, put Father Larry Richards in Google with uh, just Father Larry Richards and Holy Land, and you'll come almost immediately there. And it's going to be a fantastic trip. We're going to have a fine time. If you've never been to the Holy Land, it's everyone needs to go to the Holy Land at least once in their life, to go where we talk about all these things with Jesus, to be able to see where, Je where Jesus Christ rose from the dead, to be able to see where Jesus Christ died, to be able to see where Jesus Christ was born to be able to see where Jesus did the miracles. They're fantastic. Um, so I encourage you, come. And then I just uh, uh, talked today about we're going to be going next year, 2024, in October. I think it's going to be the 8th, but more information will come out. We're going to Poland. And uh, I'll be taking a tour over of Poland, uh, you know, to see where John Paul II was born, to see where uh, Faustina was, the Divine Mercy uh, Divine Mercy happened to see Krakow, to see Our Lady of Chestahova, all that kind of stuff. So uh, watch for that. We'll be doing that in 2024, me and my parish, because they asked me, they wanted to go, a bunch of the people, and I said, let's do it. And so you'll be welcome to come too. Anyway, we need an ABBA button for you. Yes, we do need an ABBA button for me. <laughs> I know, but it's the other buttons that push uh, drive me crazy. Anyway, um, let's go before I go here.
and I'll go to some of these here. Hey, Father, two questions. Do you still visit your lake cabin? Yes, I was just there today because uh, my uh, pump went on my boiler, and so I had no heat at the house. So by God's grace, the guy had it had a, uh, a new one in his truck, which is unbelievable. And it took less than an hour, which is unbelievable. So uh, yes, I go there. When praying to the Holy Spirit, are we asking for guidance to do his will? Yes. We're also asking for him to take over our life. Yes. We're asking for him to uh, fan into a flame the gift that God gave us. Yes. We're asking him to set us on fire. Yes. We're asking him to speak through us. Yes. But it's just allowing the spirit of the living God, who is God himself, the spirit is God, to take control of our life and lead us and guide us and can be great realities. Okay. Lately, I noticed that some notable priests are having trouble with their bishops or superiors. I can imagine being popular would give a priest more confidence speaking against the superior bishop or even pope. That's exactly the problem. Exactly. Is this ever appropriate or not really? Under what conditions? I think it's never appropriate to be disrespectful to any bishop or priest. I mean, any bishop or uh, pope always because you take a vow especially priests take vows of obedience and respect and so when they're doing that they're breaking their obedience and lay people that think that they know more than pope and bishops you know once i was at a uh, men's conference uh, which i'm the spiritual director of for all the men leader and one very catholic speaker who uh i used to support i'd send him a thousand dollars a year because uh, i really believed in this message he got up while i'm standing there and he said to all the men, the bishops and priests have failed us. We need to take over the church. And that was one of my buttons that gets pushed. I just really let go. And I just said, that's already happened. It's called Protestantism. When the lay people want to take over the church, it's already happened. You can go there tomorrow. You can pick your church, Protestantism. The lay people are all lay people and they get to lead the church. But in the Catholic Church, it's always the magisterium, and it's always, this is the way we know what's true, is what the bishops and pre, a pope uh, agree upon together. And again, as I've said many times on this uh, broadcast, 99% of the bishops in the world agree with Pope Francis. And even the things that we shake our heads at and saying, where, where'd that come from? Most of that's the magisterium. Now, the Holy Father invites criticism. He could sit there and pull a, um, what they're pulling, I'm in charge of the church, you shut up or get out. He could do that. There have been many popes who have excommunicated people. But many times, one of the times I got most respect for is there was a person who's died since in Italy, very conservative, and he was writing against the Pope. And the Pope called him and says, thank you. I need this kind of, of uh, checking, you know, so thank you for uh, criticizing me. I have no problem with criticism if it's done respectfully and lovingly. I have no problem with that. But I haven't seen it. I've seen it mostly because of people's pride. They think they know better. There's no humility there. And... Uh, so that's, that's my thing. Similarly, 
What is peculiar challenges and crosses, even dangers of being what is commonly called a celebrity priest or even a popular layperson? Well, first of all, the, the, uh, the devil loves to go from people like me who are um, celebrity, quote unquote, priests. Because if we go down, um, we bring many people down with us, like with Father Karapi and different realities. And the problem is, that's why it isn't sexuality in that that usually brings us down. And, this, you know, sometimes it is. But most of it's just pride. You know, the devil fell not because of sexuality. The devil didn't do any sexual sins. The devil was thrown out of heaven because of his pride. And many speakers, like to me, when a speaker, layperson, or priest says, this is my fee, you're going to give me $3,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 or I'm not coming. That's prideful. That's not a servant. And I know many speakers, of course, many of them don't talk to me anymore, but still, they all think uh, I've become a liberal. Oh, my. And the reality is we need to be people of humility. And when we're not, that's when we can get problematic. Is it cool being popular or it's a cross? It is a humongous, humongous cross. So we're going to have to sit there and uh, we're going to go through here. I'm not going to get to the sexual questions today, which I thought I would, but we'll do it maybe next time or maybe we'll, next is, uh, um, I think we're going to go to penance next time, so we'll bring it up. I'm not sure. Don't hold me to that. Okay, let's go back here. I think I follow you. Morning Mass. Sorry, thoughts on uh, Father Larry. Your thoughts on cremation? Cremation's allowed by the Church, so um, I don't ever want to be cremated. I was just thinking about this history. I don't ever want to be cremated, um, but you can be cremated. And I have a lot of uh, more and more people are being cremated, but it's allowed in the Church, so I have nothing against it. Any women's conference in in the near future on your mission talk in Alhambra, California? I'll be in Alhambra this summer. Uh, for a men's retreat. I, uh, they've never asked me for a woman's retreat, and uh, they probably never would because they have all these great nuns down there. Uh, but as far as I know, uh, no. And I was just talking about, I've had, I haven't had a mission in uh, California in forever, so uh, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, I'd love to get back down there. Father, before the gospel, sometimes the scripture says, uh, it's Bruce. Father, before the gospel sometimes, the scripture said, sometimes it's not, is there a reason? Oh, there's a scripture. Yes, there is a scripture. You can use it. It's the antithon before the alleluia. So sometimes it's sung alleluia, alleluia, and then a scripture verse is read. Uh, Most of the time I don't do it. It's an option, but yes, it's there. Sherry, forgive me if anyone has asked this before, but do you have any reaction videos of y'all watching The Chosen? I'd love your take on it. I love The Chosen. Again, uh, many places and Catholic speakers have talked about it's not scriptural, and that's completely true. It's not, uh, it's based on scripture, but it's not verbatim. I don't, uh, I think there is only one 
uh, scripture movie on Matthew's God. It was Matthew's gospel. So everything that was taken from it was only from the gospel of Matthew uh, a couple years ago. But Jesus and Nazareth, none of those were scriptural things. I just love the chosen because it portrays Christ in his humanity. We all know he was divine, 100% divine, but we often forget that he was 100% human. And the chosen uh, really makes that real, and that's what I like about it. I can't watch it much because I get real emotional. I mean, literally emotional. So I got to be uh, prepared, <laughs> to prepare myself to watch it. Father Larry, your opinion on Catholic friends that dedicate their babies to God in church, but it's not our sacrament of baptism. Well, at least they're dedicating the church. The, the, the problem they don't believe in infant baptism is because uh, the child doesn't have the act of faith. Now, the infant baptism is very old. They did it in the, in the scriptures. It talks about him and his whole family were baptized. And so kids were there. Early church was baptism with children. And that's why it's always been incorporated. And it comes down to one of the things that, you know, except fundamentalists, it's funny how some fundamentalists take things fundamentally and other things not fundamentally. But in John 3, 5, when it says, what does it mean to be born again? And Jesus says, um, you cannot enter the kingdom unless you've been born again. And then Nicodemus asks explicitly, what's it mean to be born again? And he says, you must be born of water and the spirit to enter the kingdom. Water and the spirit is baptism. huh? And so uh, Catholics always took that very liberally, literally that if a person, child wasn't baptized, they couldn't go to heaven. So that's where uh, we really made sure that children got baptized. In fact, it used to be, you didn't take your kid out of the house at all until that child was baptized. First place, baptism. So, but again, at least they're giving, it, uh, giving their child to the, the uh, Christ, which is good. Father Larry, do you think priests will ever be able to get married? They're getting married today. St. <laughs> Peter was married. Yes, I have one of my kids who's now a priest uh, for uh, the Catholic Church, but a, uh, one of our rites. And, but he has five kids, and he's married, and there's lots uh, throughout the world there are married priests. It's only a matter of time. For the first thousand years of the church, priests were married. The, priests, the reason it, we stopped that is because we had a... Uh, one of the popes was a uh, uh, religious, and so he says, and there was a lot of nepotism in the church, meaning like if you were the pope, you could have your sons and everything else in there, and it, you know, it became filled with nepotism and says, okay, uh, it's enough. The priests are going to be celibate. And it's been our the thing in the, the Western church for the last thousand years. But the pope, the pope could get up today because it's a discipline and say, okay, all priests can get married tomorrow. <gasps> it would drive everybody insane but he could. Uh, also, please pray for my five-year-old nephew with type 1 diabetes, broke his femur last night. The doctors have found a cyst and will not biopsy until six weeks when the bone is healed. Absolutely, we'll all pray together for him. Uh, I'll try to sneak into the men's conference. There you go. Good afternoon, Father. Good afternoon, Nicholas. Okay, we gotta go. Thank you for being with me. I'm sorry I get a little uh, excited about things, but I am, that's part of me. It just is, there's two sides and uh, they all come out in different things. Anyway, Jesus got hot-headed too, just so you know. I'm not Jesus, but he lives inside of me. I just have to let him out more and me less. Thank you for watching. Uh, no, I pray for you every day and that I love you and I ask you to please pray for me. The Lord be with you. 
May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. We will see you next week. God willing.